I think a break is necessary though for everybody to just fill their cups, practice what they've been doing, put it into the wild, not at home. And I think that it was that, that it just like clicked in my head that like, it's okay to take a break and we all need that break to break through. Hi, brave friends. I'm your host, Jessica Pate. And on this story episode, we are exploring the vital, yet especially in our community, elusive act of taking a break. Our storyteller is Kristen Lighty, whose daughter, Lana, was diagnosed with Prader-Willi syndrome and found early on that the go, go, go mentality of the medical world was counterintuitive to her instincts as a mother. To just stop and be present with her child. Welcome to today's story episode. A break is necessary for breakthroughs. Break. It's a word with many meanings. It's a word that holds both positive and negative connotations. It's a word that comes to mind for me on this very new and still fresh parental journey through my caregiver life. Upon receiving a diagnosis for our daughter, the feeling that most resonates for me is broken. It resonates deeply in my heart. A broken dream, a broken idea, a broken heart, a broken mind. All I ever thought, dreamed, and felt was shattered into tiny pieces. It wouldn't take me long to realize that I was amidst a breakdown. It's what my body, mind, and heart felt during the first year and a half of our daughter's life. I felt broken. My mind was scattered and my heart was taken on a roller coaster of emotions. Life felt like a grind, constantly. Learning new aspects of this diagnosis while simultaneously figuring out how to care for our daughter. On top of that, seek special moments to allow myself to connect solely as mother and daughter, no medical jargon included. A breakdown needed to happen. Our family got to a point where we felt we needed something different. We needed to focus on ourselves and less on the diagnosis. One of the most important things I've learned from caring for my daughter is that a break is necessary for breakthroughs. And that is just what we did. We broke down to allow ourselves the break to finally feel that breakthrough. Breaking is and can be a beautiful thing, especially if you're willing to put in the work. After countless therapies and appointments for a year and a half, we chose to pause and escape the grind of life to go to paradise together so we could focus on our family and nothing else. It was the break we needed. And on this break, we saw so many breakthroughs for our daughter as well. Things we had been working on for many, many months just so naturally click into place for her. It was like she was waiting for the opportunity to just be a kid. And that's when it clicked for me too. Our daughter was and still is just a kid. It hurts to see and know that she will have to endure more than a typical child. And at the end of the day, part of her thriving is being allowed ample opportunity to have breaks so she can break through on her own terms. We realize that working hard does not give us all the reward. Taking the break and resting supports that hard work and essentially leads us to an even bigger reward. And the combination of the two is what has given us the energy and motivation to keep pushing to help our daughter thrive. And it has also given her the best of all worlds. As Alan Cohen once said, 
There is virtue in work, and there is virtue in rest. Use both and overlook neither. Take the break. I promise it'll be worth it. Such a powerful reminder. I am so grateful to Kristen for sharing her story, and I think her message is going to help a lot of mamas out there, especially if you are just starting the journey like her. She has a lot of really good insights to share. Please enjoy my conversation with the wise and loving mama, Kristen Lighty. Hi, Kristen. Welcome to Brave Together podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. This is so, so wonderful just to have this time together, and I love our story episode so much, and so I thank you for taking the time to write a story and send it in to us, and we will talk about it for sure, but let's hear a little bit about your family story. Where are you from? Where's your family? Tell us about all of it. (laughs) We live in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I am a mother to two and a wife, and our daughter is two years old, and she was born with Prader-Willi syndrome, and she has an older brother who is five. And what are your kids' names? Lana and Liam. Ah, so sweet. And are you working, Kristen? I am working. I'm a working mother, yes. Okay, what do you do? I am an image specialist, so I actually work for American Eagle Outfitters and Aerie, so I'm in the retail world. <laughs> yeah, oh, fantastic. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, so... I really loved your story, and there were several things that I underlined that I can't wait to talk about. But how old was Lana when you wrote this story? I think she was around 18 months, so not long ago. But this story was written at a time past the first year of diagnosis, and I feel like I really wrote from that first year. (laughs) And I can see a bit clearer now after that first year of diagnosis. So I think while I was in it, I didn't feel the way that I feel now about that. So it's kind of like a, a reflection for myself. I love when you said that you wanted to seek special moments to allow yourself to connect solely with Lana as mother and daughter, no medical jargon included. And I just want all our listeners to hear that because I think it will inspire them to think about, I want to connect with my child, no medical jargon included, no diagnosis, just as I would try to connect with my neurotypical child, you know, non-diagnosed child as mother, daughter, mother, son, right? Exactly. You know, I had the unique privilege of being a mother to a child prior to this. So I, I don't like to compare. Obviously, my children are very different in a beautiful way, but I understood that I needed to do that too for myself and her and my family. But it's hard when you're in a hospital for a while and then you're at home trying to be the hospital element, the nurse, the caregiver. But yeah, I just, I really, really sought out those special moments of just her and I. I was able to have a longer maternity leave, which I think is such a shame that a lot of people aren't given that opportunity. So my whole maternity leave wasn't that short. So our time in the hospital, you know, was about a month long. And then we got home and I was then given that time to really invest into that, which is 
so needed, especially when they're so tiny. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm so glad that you were given that time. And I wish, wish, wish we had more time given to moms. The privilege is, yeah, such a privilege. It really is, which is, it really you know. is. It is. <laughs> and was Lana born on time, early, late? What was the birthing story? So she was born early, but she was born to term, I guess you would call it. So gosh, 37 weeks, I believe, but she was born section. So I was prepared going into it that she was going to be born, but we did not understand what was going on really. And we did not have a diagnosis yet. So it was, it was a shock and a surprise when it happened. So were the doctors hinting that there was anything wrong ahead of time that you, before you had surgery? Okay. You know, it's mama gut. I feel like I knew something was different, you know, and because I was pregnant prior, you know, I just kind of had this inkling, the low movement was there. And, you know, I'd ask questions and I'd bring up the topics of things and everyone was, you know, very much, oh, no, everything's fine. And we got to a point where I wasn't measuring on track to where she should have been. And I had to push to get to be seen more often. And, you know, like I had to fight for myself and her essentially before she was even out, you know, who knew that I'd have to continue. But that's kind of what led to the fact that she was smaller. She was breech. She wasn't moving a lot. Uh, Everything else looked normal, though, typical. So, yeah. And I said Mm -hmm. surgery, but I said that prematurely. I don't think you said that. So was she born by cesarean or she was Mm -hmm. okay you did have her okay gotcha gotcha yeah she was breached that was like our main reason why we had to do c-section and then just the low tone when she came out you know she wasn't eating well that's one of the bigger signs of Prader-Willi syndrome is the low tone and there's no suck pattern so we spent a while in the NICU just focusing on that aspect of it. Yeah, us too. I Yeah, we spent a month. I don't know why Ryan didn't end up in the NICU. I have no idea. We we got transferred to the peds ward, and that's where we lived for a month. Oh. Um, again, not knowing, you know, he could not suck at all. He didn't wake up. He didn't act like mm-hmm. he was hungry. Very or, tired, sleepy. Very tired, exactly. very sleepy, very floppy. Yep, mm-hmm. yep. So I love how you're setting your story, Kristen. Our family got to a point where we felt we needed something different. We needed to focus on ourselves and less on the diagnosis. For you to early on recognize that, I think that's critical. And I don't hear that often. So I applaud you. Mm -hmm. But what helped you pause to even recognize that? Honestly, the community that I was involved in, I feel like I wasn't afraid to dive into the PWS community. I think it is such a strong, strong community, as you may know. And it's what I was hearing from other people well along the path and following you, following a few other podcasts about rare diseases. I think it's something that it's hard as a mother in general and a parent in general to take breaks for ourselves, to pause, to enjoy the moments. But it's even harder when you have a child who just needs more on every level. So yeah, I think the influence just from people around me really Mm. helped. See the benefits of community. Yeah. Having other people in your life who are ahead of you in the journey and can really speak into your life and speak from experience is so critical. 
Mm. It really is. So say more about how a break is necessary for breakthroughs. Kind of explain that to our audience. I feel like it's such a deep thing to talk about. It's a very personal thing too. Everybody's break will look and feel different for me specifically. I needed to get away from our home. I feel like a lot of our life was in our home and it was surrounded by the diagnosis. You know, we had therapists coming in and out of the home. I was, we were doing NG tubes and nightly shots and it just felt like everything was at home. And this was a post-COVID world as well. So like we were used to being home for so much and it was finally to the point where it was just like, I need to get out of here. I need a break. And we took that break. We were privileged enough and lucky enough to allow ourselves to take what I feel like was quite a long break. It was two weeks. Um, we went to beautiful Hawaii and we did nothing but be together. And in those moments, we saw the things that we had been working on in ourselves, but also our child who had been working so hard, like so hard to try to crawl. And you don't normally see that in kids who work so hard to do these simple things you take for granted. And she crawled for the first time on the beach. Like how breakthrough of a moment for us. It was amazing. Yeah. And, you know, I say like we were in Hawaii. That's beautiful. It's like such a lucky thing to be able to do. But we have also taken breaks at home. We've taken breaks from therapies. We've taken breaks from doctor's appointments, whether it's a week long, like I just need the week off from anything or it's a month long. I think a break is necessary, though, for everybody to just sit, fill their cups, practice what they've been doing. So in the instance of our daughter, practice the crawling, put it into the wild, not at home. And I think that it was that, that it just like clicked in my head that like, it's okay to take a break. And we all need that break to break through. I so appreciate you saying this. So, okay, everyone, Kristen is giving you permission (laughs) to take a week off from therapies and appointments or take a month off from therapies and appointments and all the interventions. And I know that fear drives us to do and do and do and make sure our kids don't miss a single appointment or therapy or intervention or treatment, whatever it is. And yet I love how you said to take a break, to just be and just practice what you're actually, your child is actually learning or working on. And um, again, I just applaud you because I think it takes a lot of moms hitting burnout before they have some of these realizations, Kristen. Yeah. And I mean, I think I did. I think I hit burnout. I hit rock bottom, like mentally and emotionally in myself. And, you know, I'm the type of mom who holds my stuff together so nobody else knows. But like in me, I'm feeling it. (laughs) And so I'm working on that, too. You know, I'm going to therapy. I'm talking about it more. And it really does help to see it on the outside. In I do try to sit on the outside and like look in on our life a little bit, which like you said, fear. It's that fear inside you that you don't want to miss out on anything. You don't want to, you know, not do something that your child may need, but really your child needs to be a child. They need a break. I agree. I agree. And I, I think what can help us as well, maybe pause is to realize we're not trying to normalize our child and we're not trying to fix and we're not trying to heal. We're trying to give them opportunities, but running around nonstop also has its effects. Yeah, it does. I mean, I see it in both of our kids when we do that to them. You know, they push back 
They're like, no, stop. I don't want to do this. And it's kind of like, it's, you just got to follow their lead a bit. Like you are the leader of it, but they're the one doing the hard work. So you kind of have to listen to them a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. I like that. I like that so much. Mm -hmm. I like how you said at the end of the day, part of her thriving is being allowed ample opportunity to have breaks so she can break through on her own terms. And you said, we realize that working hard does not give us all the reward. I would love for you to say more about that. Yeah. And I think that just comes with the breakthrough too. You know, we, I think about working in in my job and like when you grind and you do everything all at once, you don't have a chance to sit back and look at all your hard work too. And for kids, that's huge because they grow so fast in three to four years low or fast, they still grow an exponential amount compared to us as adults, you know, in our adulthood. So for as a mom, I need to sit back and be like, okay, look how far she's come from born to two years old. Like, yes, she's not like her peers, but she's working so hard. And yeah, I think it just comes back to like, just stepping back and seeing how hard you've worked and be proud of that Mm -hmm. and then reward yourself with a break. (laughs) Mm, so good. So if you were to meet somebody who just had a child, just diagnosed with PWS or really anything else, what's something that you would say? I know you're still early on in your journey, but you have quite a bit of wisdom and perspective, Kristen, that I appreciate. What would you say? You know, I, I think I do this now with any new diagnosis. Like you said, in our own little tiny community, I'm very active, especially with young babies who are just diagnosed. I think it's hard to see past the diagnosis so early. And I really just, I press on the fact that snuggle your baby. They are not babies forever, whether or not they grow, like how they grow. They are not this tiny little innocent baby, vulnerable baby. And I think it's good for us to fill our own cups of that smell of their precious skin of the way they look and they won't always look like that they won't always be like that so just really take those moments you know like i said in in the story just finding those opportunities to be mom over mm-hmm. everything else mm-hmm. involved in it because it does go by so fast. <laughs> it does. And I know everybody's so annoyed. Like, it goes by fast. Take pictures or all the like annoying things that older parents will say or grandparents. But it's true. Right. It's a slow process. Like our daughter has progressed pretty slowly, you know, in certain aspects. But even then it's still fast <laughs> when you look true. back on it. So that's so true. Um, I really do try to snuggle your baby. Love the snuggles, you know. It's one of the things we all miss when we're older. <laughs> so right now, absolutely, it. take lots of pictures, take lots yes. of videos. Yeah, yeah. I I was flying home recently, and there was a family in front of me, two year old, three year old, and then a mom. Uh, the mom was across the aisle with the baby, and and it was a new baby, six weeks old. I was dying. Mm-hmm. I wanted to hold the baby so badly. I, I just kept, you know, just watching you know, staring, long, longing to be back, wanting to grab the baby, even, and even when it was time to, to deplane, I was like, do you guys need any help? (laughs) I came home and I said to my oldest, I wish I could go back. I wish I could teleport myself back to the baby stage with all of you and just sit and hold you and not feel like I had anything I had to do. But I was such a like, 
trying to control. And I just wish I could go back and hold. Yeah, that that word control. It's hard as a mother. I, I feel that very. <laughs> you want to be able to control everything. But yeah, it's just the beauty lies in those mundane moments it really does. I love that. And I love the quote you shared at the end of your story. You said, by Alan Cohen. There is virtue in work and there is virtue in rest. Use both and overlook neither. Where did you find that quote? Honestly, I stumbled upon it very randomly, but then I also re-looked it up when I was writing this because I think it's just this notion that's inside all of us that like we love to work hard, but we also love breaks. And I was just trying to find that perfect thing to describe it in the simplest way. And I think that quote really does. You know, work is important and rest is important. And you really cannot value one more than the other. Mm. But our culture doesn't value rest. So we have to go against against all those messages and messaging that tell us to go, go, go and do. Yes, really, you do. And it's hard work. It's a hard internal work to to balance that I don't, I'm not perfect at. I'm really not. Like resting (laughs) is like one of the hardest things for me to do because I feel like I should be doing something. (laughs) Right, right, right. Mm -hmm. I know, I know. Even if I am saying I'm going to rest, I'm like doing a tiny bit of busy work on the side. So that's not really rest. (laughs) Yeah, in your head, head, thinking about all the things. That's my my thing. I always think about the things. (laughs) So true, so Mm -hmm. true. So Kristen, are you regularly writing about the altered parenting life? No, you know, I'm not. Or just from time to time? Yeah, from time to time. Okay. Well, I hope you write more. Thank you. Um, Actually, I just thought of another thing I'd share with parents. I yeah. don't know if you want me to of share. Of course. Yeah, go for it. Um, I, it's tough saying this because I'm still in the phase where it's, I do it, but try not to compare your child to other children, whether they are neurotypical or within your own community. Cause I find myself even comparing my child to the children that are supposedly like her, but they're, every child is so different and there's a spectrum just in our the beauty of humanity, really. So I'd say try not to really push yourself against that. I agree. Yeah. Because whether it's with, you know, your friend's kids who are neurotypical or you're comparing within the diagnosis and where your kid is sort of falling Mm -hmm. on the spectrum of the diagnosis, that is not helpful. That is not helpful to your heart, your soul, your mind. It's just, you are doing yourself such a disservice and you're robbing yourself of joy that can be a part of this difficult journey. But also your child's too, you know, like you're putting them into a box of what other kids around them are. And I think that that's hard to do or not do for your child as well. Mm -hmm. That comes with working too hard and not resting as well. And it's just, it's all like a life for sure. It is. And I think it also comes with the internal work that you realize. I realize at some point, I I think Ryan was probably around seven or eight. Ryan's going to fall. This is what I said to myself. Ryan's going to fall on the spectrum of PWS wherever he's going to Mm -hmm. fall. And I don't know Mm -hmm. that I have the power to move that needle. I probably don't have any power. No control. I'm going to do, of course, all the interventions, right? I'll do everything I can, but he's going to fall wherever he's going to fall. And I'm just going to accept that. And I'm going to keep accepting that. And I'm going to keep accepting that versus torturing Mm -hmm. myself with what I want it to be. 
or where I wanted him to be in the spectrum of of PWS. It's like this radical acceptance of a diagnosis or of a life that you have versus what you thought or wish you had. And just not even coming to terms with it because we all have grief over it. But yeah, a radical acceptance of your child. Which changes us and I think changes our parenting experience when we can do that. For sure. There is a great book. There's lots of great resources on that. If anyone, if that piqued anybody's interest, I highly (laughs) recommend looking into Tara Brock or other people who write on that. Yeah. Well, Kristen, thank you so much. I'm so glad we got to have this conversation and please keep writing because I loved what you shared, what you wrote, and we need your words. Thank you. I appreciate it. And I loved being on here. Thank you for inviting me. Thanks so much for listening today. Do us a favor and leave us a review and a rating so that this podcast can get into the ears and the hearts of more and more moms. Did you know that Brave Together podcast is an extension of our nonprofit organization called We Are Brave Together? We Are Brave Together serves an international community of caregiving moms by offering support groups that are virtual and in-person, educational resources, and low-cost weekend retreats. To join us today, go to wearebravetogether.org. Our support and sisterhood await you. Brave Together podcast is for entertainment and education purposes only and is not a substitute and should not be relied on for medical or mental health advice. The use of any content on our podcast linked in our show notes or on our website is to be done at your own personal risk. Please seek out a professional to assess your own medical or mental health concerns because we are all beautifully complex and the content of this podcast is for a broad audience. 